Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Before we start, I would like to draw your attention to what I can offer you as a master coach. I can help you to focus on your why with clarity, uniting your passion with your purpose with a plan to create the life you truly desire. Book a free 20 minute coaching call right now via calendly.com forward slash Amy Rowlandson forward slash call and we can take it from there. Today on Focus on Why, I am joined by QJ. Welcome. Hi. Hi, Amy. And where are you joining us from, QJ? I'm in the middle of a field. Actually, that's a lie. I'm in the middle of two fields in a little cottage that grew into a house. And um, it's in rural Kent in the UK. Sounds idyllic. Yeah, I love it. And um, I don't really ever want to move. Um, Although there are differences of opinion within the household. So we'll see what happens. Brilliant. And what is it you're focusing on at the moment, QJ? I'm, I've got two hats that I wear. One is my music, which I, is my love, and I've done it all my life. I'm a musician, basically, and I'm back to composing music um, using the means that are available now, which is digital. Rather wonderful. Gives us the best, best of all possible worlds. I can play real instruments. I can record them. I can also um, use sample sounds or anything I want, really, you know, banger saucepan with a wooden spoon <laughs> or, or catch the birds in the trees or the owls at night the hooting is is a hoot as they say my other hat is um as a speaker manager uh, this comes from my being in the music business for many many years and um having a manager and then going on to being a producer rather than a performer the guy who sat in the studio coaxing the best performances out of the musicians and noting what managers did for the musicians they were managing. So now I find that um, within the speaking profession, it's much the same job. Um, You have an artist who's on stage and um, you want two things for them. One, for them to be amazingly good and great. Um, And the other thing you want is to promote them like crazy. So I've always loved marketing. Um, It's a strange combination. I know most musicians aren't interested in marketing or very good at marketing, Um, but I've always loved both. So that kind of explains the two hats that I'm currently wearing. And what threads them both for me is that you've mentioned the love for what you're doing in both those areas. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I've been incredibly lucky or fortunate, whatever words you want to use, to just be able to do what I wanted to do with my life. Um, I had supportive parents and music was around me from as far back as I can remember. I was going to say day one, it probably was. I think my mum used to sing to me when I was a tiny, very, very tiny person. And um, yeah, so when you have supportive parents, you can follow your dreams 
And I think that's the greatest gift you can give to any child you bring into the world is just to support them, uh, let them make their own mistakes, and um, they will thank you for it in the end. It's a tough job to sit back and let your children make mistakes. Um, not to me. Not to me. I was allowed to do it and cocked up a few times. <laughs> I have two daughters who um, I think you, if you were to ask them, they'd say, yeah, dad wasn't very interested, really. Just let us got to get on with our, you know, what we wanted to do. And of course, it's not true that I wasn't interested. I was extremely interested, but I would um, always just give them a free hand and I wouldn't get involved unless they asked for my help. So whatever they wanted to do, uh, they could do it. In fact, I probably shouldn't say this in public, but I'm going to. I, I was just clearing out a drawer the other day and I saw all the bills from the dancing school and I thought, bloody hell, that's, that cost us an awful lot of money to send to send our daughters to um, to pursue their love and the thing that they were passionate about. But um, we've never looked back. And today our, our relationships are just fantastic and we still work together um, musically. So, uh, yeah, that's my view. And when something is of that much value to someone, the amount that it costs it becomes immaterial. It does if you can afford it. I was, I think we were fortunate because my first daughter got a grant and I, I seem to remember most of the, most of the cost of the um, further education was, um, was paid for by that grant. Um, yeah, and I I feel passionately, although I I would hate to think that I'm a uh, a political animal at all. Although I have my views, obviously, you know I hate to think of talented children or children who want to pursue the arts, and their parents can't afford to give them the the um, support that they would benefit from. I was going to say the support they need, but no one necessarily needs that formal education. What they need is encouragement and you know, the the permission to go out there and to do it and maybe be supported by living at home or, um, you know, parents may be able to pay for a small flat or wherever they need to pursue that, um, that interest, that love. And there's always a contentious conversation around the arts being poorly paid. And so a yeah. lot of people don't go into it because it's not asp aspirational from that perspective. What are your mm. thoughts around that? Oh, very, very mixed, very mixed thoughts. Um, I only have my own perspective, although I've listened to many other people. So my own perspective was that um, I was still living at home when I left school, was able just to pursue my interest, which then was to become a, a rock star or a pop, pop star, whatever you want to call it. So I was trained classically, but I went into the the music business, um, which of course is popular music, and um, was able very quickly, I think, because I was living at home to get a band together and go and get some gigs. And I was all very, as I say, I was very marketing focused. So um, I think I'm a terrible salesperson. Face to face, I'm awful. But marketing, you know, sticking up posters and in pubs and when I had a recording studio, sticking up posters in music shops to say, come and record at my studio. That was always second nature to me. So I was very fortunate that I had some commercial understanding of what you need to do to maintain a career in this particular sphere, whereas most musicians 
um, that I talk to, it's the music first and maybe the, the music last and they don't really have the extra skills that I know I was blessed with and I'd be forever grateful. I don't know where it came from, but um, I did have that marketing leaning, if you like, towards the fact that A, you needed to do it and B, I, I had an idea of how you could do it, how we could promote ourselves. So the money was never a thought in my mind. I was just so driven to pursue what I wanted to pursue that actually the money kind of found a way of coming my way. You know, we were paid for gigs. I got a um, publishing deal. I mean, we had recording deals, but I had a publishing deal as a songwriter very early on. And the advance, and this is a long time ago, the advance I got from the publishing company was £3,000 which was m way more than a lot of people were earning in a year back then, you know, in the 1800s. And so I, I have been incredibly lucky. So I'm very grateful. So you're talking about encouragement, permission, support, gratitude and, and luck. Mm. How do you really feel that purpose fits into this area as well? Again, I think my view might be a bit unique um, or not commonplace anyway. Um, I feel that my purpose was um, something I didn't have to think about. I just knew what I wanted and I went out and got it. So my purpose was, you know, why did I do it? Because I had to do it. And I think when when you've got something that's that in, deeply inside you um, as a, a beautiful um, South African choir mistress once said to me, um, when it's in your heart, you have to do it. And I think that's that sums it up for me. If it's truly in your heart, you'll find a way. Because you can't, you can't not be true to yourself. And I know that's a bit of a cliche, but what that really means is if you if you've got something inside you that's eating you up that you want to do it, you should at least give it a try. I mean, you might not have any talent. And, you know, luckily I've had some talent enough to sort of keep me going. I was never going to be a great instrumentalist or a, a great anything, but I was very competent and and I had a certain creative leaning, a certain creative ability to think outside the box, as they say. And again, another cliche, which I don't particularly like. Um, so for me, the why is just, well, because I had to do it. And I think anyone who's out there who's listening, if they've got any of that inside them, just go with that particular feeling and that particular why, because you have to do it. If you've got to do it, you've got to do it. You can't deny yourself that opportunity. Um, and I know that you you will have spoken to many people who, you know, pondered their why for ages and, you know, weren't sure, or should I, shouldn't I, and all that. That was never me. I was very lucky in that respect. And do you think that's because music comes from the heart that that was then an easy decision that you didn't even have to second guess it absolutely absolutely i mean i was i was surrounded by music at home my elder brother about eight years older than me i think was already playing the piano from in the house from a very young age for me and i can remember some of my earliest memories of music impacting me was you know my mum would put me to bed i, I must have been you know three four years of age and um I would say leave the door open because I want to hear Nigel playing the piano and he used to play the piano downstairs and um I mean you can imagine 
well, I hope you and the listeners can imagine what that's like. You just hear that and you think, oh, I'd like to be like my big brother. You know, he's ever so good. And, you know, you've got the Canamasons now, which is a family of, of musical children. And, and that's exactly the kind of environment I was in. There was only really him who was good. My dad and my other brother also played piano a bit. And my other brother played violin, but not not to the Canamasons, <laughs> you know, uh, level of quality. But, yeah, it was there. I think my mum did sing, you know, uh, pop songs off the radio and stuff like that a little bit, although she wasn't, she wouldn't class herself as a musician. So of course, yeah, it, it, again, the word luck has to come into the conversation. Uh, I might have been born into a family that had none of that. And you mentioned the family, the kind of Masons, and I think it was it. I, I don't know which one it was, but one of them played at was it a wedding that I'm trying to think of? The royal wedding. Yeah. 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 Amazing. So clearly music as as part of growing up has been instrumental, pardon the pun, but mm. <laughs> in terms of following your heart, following your dream, following your your purpose, did anybody ever explain to you what purpose was or is this something you figured out yourself? No, no one explained what purpose was. No. I didn't even figure it out. I, I still haven't really. <laughs> <laughs> just I I my wife would tell you that I live in the moment so I just live from day to day and that has its benefits and its drawbacks um so my purpose is defined and decided when I wake up each day you know what am I going to do today what what do I need to do what do I want to do and yeah of course there's there's has to be a combination of I need to do that and I don't particularly want to and that might be the washing up or it might be a job for somebody that somebody's going to pay you for. But um, I think I managed pretty well to keep those in balance to make sure that I do get enough of what I need, um, which is generally musical. So if music be the food of love, then yes. play on. <laughs> yes. And, and it's, it's so interesting because music has spanned centuries. You know, it has been there for forever. For as for as long as somebody has been able to to make sound, music has been there. Why why is it why is it able to transcend across generations, across different uh, different cultures? What what do, what makes music so special for you? Two different questions there. I don't know mm. why it spans. I, I I understand it was there before speech, before language. In fact, song, I believe, goes pre-language. Pre so it must have been something which um, humans just responded to, whether it was a, a call across the, the valley to say, Oi, John, I'm over here. You know, we've, we've got a bowl of soup for you. <laughs> come across and join us for a, for a meal. Um, uh, uh, to nowadays, it is so sophisticated and we understand the science of sound so, so well that um, creating emotion in the listener, if you're on my side of the fence, if you're on the creative side, is, is not a difficult skill to learn. Um, you know, there are tricks of the trade in music, just like there are in, in most things. So, and I've, I've read quite a lot of the psychology of, of sound 
um, and the creating of emotion. And it isn't just just music. I mean, acoustics comes into it as well. For example, there's a, um, a famous concert hall in Vienna, a Musikverein, where they broadcast the New Year's Day concert from every year, has a unique acoustic, which they have measured, scientists have measured the emotional response of the audience in that space with one particular piece of music played versus the same piece of music played in, say, the Albert Hall um, with that audience. And they've noted, noticed a, a rise, an increase in the emotional experience of the audience in the music variety than their own other concert halls. So this this ability, well, not ability, because it's forced upon us, isn't it? We do respond. We're not trained in how to respond to music, but we we just respond to sound in this particular way. And I think nobody really has got to the bottom of, well, how does that really work? There are plenty of people studying it and plenty of psychologists studying the, the psychological aspects of why sound impacts us so greatly. But um, I think it remains a little bit of a mystery still to this day. And I kind of like that. We know what works, what doesn't work. You know, a pneumatic drill outside your bedroom window will tend to wake you up. And the bird song that they pipe into, is it um, Terminal 5 at Heathrow now? Because a friend of mine was the guy, the sound designer who who put that into the, the airport. We know that that bird song slows people down. They actually start walking more slowly through that part of the airport. Um, because our emotions are affected and therefore our behaviours are affected as, as a result. So, no, I think it's still a bit of a mystery. But uh, what does it mean to me? It means everything. It means that I can produce music, I can listen to music and absolutely raise the quality of my life through that. It's really interesting. You, you're talking about birdsong there. And for me, birdsong is fascinating how you can have a really well insulated room and yet birdsong will still penetrate through that it, it it's just incredible well that's very interesting you obviously haven't got a very well insulated room <laughs> well, what i mean is I, like you can have triple glazed windows and yet yeah. the birdsong will still come in i mean i'm not talking about a soundproof studio i'm talking yeah. about just a normal housing and birdsong still it has that ability to to come through uh, which is fantastic because you want to hear the birdsong yeah, absolutely. And um, I was a bit worried when we started this conversation because it's quite windy out there today and um, that comes in as well. So all of nature does come in. And I mean, opening the window on a cold winter's day is what I would tend to do because it's for me, it's all about atmosphere. I, I'm not sure how many humans really um, take a positive step towards enjoying different atmospheres of weather and you know, surroundings. But to me, environment is everything. Environment, whether it's, you know, a room full of people or you're having dinner with, or you're outside in the nature. But environment, to me, has a huge impact on, on my life. If, if I'm in a bad environment, I just want to get out. And if I'm in a great environment, I really, I become a different person, I feel. And then within that environment, you might have music, you might have horrible sounds, you might have nice sounds, whatever. But I think surroundings are are the key. And that's why some of these concert halls, and I, I used to sing in Canterbury Cathedral, which I go to still to this day very regularly, that environment is just amazing. You step inside a building like that if you're sensitive to it and you, 
your mind is just in a different place and it's very calming and it's very peaceful. And I'm one of these um, doubting Thomases that thinks, why, why do you need to learn to meditate? Why, why do you need to learn this stuff? You just, if you open your heart, your mind, your ears to the things that are around you, you can find places that take you on spiritual or emotional journeys. Um, and I totally believe that that can lower your blood pressure. It can make you, can rejuvenate the cells in your body, make you a healthier person. Um, you don't really need a teacher to teach you that, in my humble opinion. And I know, I'm not putting down meditation, all the wonderful yoga people out there. But for me, that was always a, I don't need that. I'll just go outside. I'll look at a flower or I'll go to the cathedral. I'll hear the choir sing. Is this making sense from my sounding completely bonkers? No, it references back to you saying you live in the moment and mm. and to be able to appreciate the smaller things in life and what is around you in your natural environment. That's the key, isn't it? That's what you've been able to do and encouraged to do, supported to do since you were young. And being in the moment with music, I mean, music is something that brings people together. It's, it's, it's fabulous in that sense that it is a way that you can connect people where words may fail music as, as i said it it does transcend generations and, and centuries and but also you know different cultures and it does bring people together it's it's a, such a an incredible medium it really is and my i'm seeing my children use music in a different way to how i use music in in my life it's it's really interesting it it's a, a go-to for my son, particularly. He he needs to have music on pretty much 24-7. I mean, he would list, have it on in his head when he's in the classroom if he could. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly what you mean, of course. Um, yeah, I, it, it really does bring people together. And because I'm composing music now, I'm I'm kind of admitting in public that my speaking or my writing my use of language is never going to reach people like my music will um i i suppose i'm a reasonable communicator but i don't think i'm very good really in in terms of what we're doing now i hope some people like it maybe they'll listen maybe they won't but actually to be able to not use words but still communicate um so i'm not sure about songs i used to be a songwriter but was never very good at that but composing music instrumentally when there's no words and for somebody to turn around and say oh my god you know that that took me to a place i've never been to before um is just incredible and all those all those people might be listening individually but it does it brings them to me so it brings us together and of course if i was doing it live you've got an audience that you connect with so that's a wonderful thing but i think that the thing i'd like to add to that and thanks for bringing this up about um, what music does in terms of people, it, it most importantly, it brings you to yourself. Most listening experiences are individual. We put headphones on, we listen to a piece of music. I mean, if you, I've still got a, an amazing hi-fi system and most of the music I put on is put on for me to listen to as an individual person. And what it does for me, and I would hope for, others as well 
is it brings it brings me inside myself through that music and i believe that i have a better understanding of who i am because music has connected me with me does that make any sense it really does and i'm just wanting to connect what you've just said with why do we get goosebumps when we hear certain types of music yeah it's it's a very interesting one um well, the pragmatic me would say, well, there are tricks of the trade. Um, you know, the scientific, the scientist in me would say, okay, I know I can write a piece of music, I can write a chord structure that will send goosebumps um, uh, for my wife. It'll, it'll create that feeling for her because I know the chords, the structures of the, I mean, music is frequencies in various volumes and in, in certain um, waveforms. Um, and she will consistently respond in that way to a certain sound of a chord or a, um, it doesn't have to be a word. I mean, if there's a lyric as well, that might improve or, or not the effect. And I think for each of us, it's, it's completely subjective. That's the other thing I want to say, that no two people uh, appreciate the same music in the same way. And for many of us, you know, there's whole tranches or whole genres of music that one person will absolutely love and another person will absolutely hate. So the wiring is completely unique. And why do we get goosebumps? I think because we want to get goosebumps. <laughs> we actually, it's this thing of why do we play sad music? Why do we play music that actually isn't, you know, happy birthday? It's It's kind of morose or miserable music but we play it because it again it connects with a part of us or, or some emotion within us that we want to feel and it may make us cry or give us goosebumps or, or may make us hold our breath or but it's really important isn't it for human beings to have a range of ex emotions that they experience on a daily basis because if you only ever experience you know, happiness, you never experience sadness, you probably can't maintain much of that. But it's the ups and downs of life which give you perspective. So you'll only know you're really happy if you've been really sad because you won't know what, what one is compared to the other. Comparisons is also what music's really good at. It's the, you know, the very quietest sound to the very loudest sound. It's the, you know, raucous rock guitar compared with the sweet violin you know we we like a variety and i think that's to do with how if our emotions are stimulated in very very different ways throughout every day or throughout every week we kind of feel more grounded we feel more secure as a human being is the oh yeah I had a terrible day today but you know i'm gonna watch the telly tonight and i'm gonna watch the program it's gonna make me laugh or i'm gonna listen to me it's good for us it's really good for us so I think goosebumps are great. I think people who cry at music, it's just what they needed and they feel better afterwards. Does that make sense? Oh, it really does. And, and as part of what I do after several episodes, QJ, I, I do my reflections and actions. And I'm already thinking now that I need to go and do some research on, on the connection between music and the limbic system and and that which is where the the emotions and 
and your why comes from. So that connection, there must be something stronger. So I'm going to go and do some research at another point in this area because it it is a fascinating topic. And you've really highlighted for me how important or how key music is to to us and how it has been as you said even before we were able to articulate what we were feeling music would bridge that for us and what I love is is you say that your approach is unique yet you know actually there are so many people in fact I would say almost everyone has this connection with music, but yours is to a heightened level that you've experienced. And it is very personal. It Mm. is an incredible way of connecting. And and let's, let's talk about that a bit more about where you said it brings you to yourself and Mm. it, it really helps you to work out what it is that you really want or need or need, as you were saying earlier, what, would you say would counter that what takes you out of yourself oh um i don't know i don't know um i think music does both um, it can be used this is the point isn't it, it, it it's an old question is, is music useful or is it just a frippery is it something which we just enjoy um I think taking me out of myself is where it becomes very useful. It's useful if I'm, you know, not feeling very energetic um, and I want to put something with a, you know, a heavy beat on or it's a good, you know, an anthem, anthemic, something like that. Then it can actually cheer me up, get me out of myself and think, oh, you know, I'm, I'm my thinking is, I'm thinking miserable or grumpy today. Um and music can take me out of myself in that way. I don't. I don't think there's any magic formula, and I don't think this is what we're talking about now is terribly profound either. I think it's it's just a thing that. Um, yeah, I think it's just a thing. I mean, that might be an excuse for me not answering the question very well. I don't know. Well, but, let, uh, let's yeah. let's look at it from this way. Mm. Does music affect your emotion, or does your emotion affect the choice of your music? No, music affects the emotion for me. So I can, I can, if I need to change my emotion, I can always do it by choosing some music that, choosing some music that I'm, um, I'm familiar with, and I and I do often do that. Um, I will go downstairs to my hi-fi and I'll think what mood do I want to be in? And I'll choose music specifically to achieve that aim. Um, do I want to be calmed down? And, and often my wife in the evening will say, you know, I'll say, you know, uh, do you mind if I have some music on? She said, no. I said, what do you fancy? And nine times out of ten, she'll say something soft, something soft and calming. And I think we know that the, the science behind that and going to bed. So if it's late in the evening and you put something calming on, you're more likely to sleep better. Uh, and again, it's why I'm kind of dubious about all these apps that supposedly calm you down and all of that. Just pick the right kind of music, put it on, close your eyes, listen, go up to bed, and you just carry carry the mood up to bed with you and you fall asleep. Um, I'm incredibly sensitive, obviously, as I'm speaking. I'm thinking, well, not everyone's that sensitive to these things. But if you have that sensitivity, 
I know that you can use music to help with with those kind of um there might be challenges in your life even getting to sleep <laughs> but do you think that you've programmed yourself now to to connect music to your your brain programming so that you now know that this will help you to do what you need to do undoubtedly yeah mm. yeah it's really interesting i was just wondering also where you were saying music affects emotion what about movement of the body with that oh you're talking to the wrong person I don't dance. I don't move. That's interesting. I'm, yeah. That's not, no, yeah. I, don't, I don't have any any of that in me at all. Um, I, yeah, I used to be in clubs and, you know, hear disco music or whatever, dance music. And, I mean, that's EDM, isn't it? It's electronic dance music, which is very different. And, you know, I've even created some of that myself. But the f- I can sit in a chair and or hold a hold a little bongo or something and play along with something like that and that's and then i engage my body my movement with that but i'm not a dancer i don't get up and move my whole body ever i feel it in my body but i don't express it outwardly um i don't know if someone there's some analyst out there that wants to analyze that what that means <laughs> Yeah, please do, because that's fascinating. My goodness. I mean, yeah. I'm with you. I'm not a big dancer, but I, I do feel better for having moved and for having moved all the all of the, the body around. It takes a while to get that kind of embodiment to, to get going. And sometimes, you know, a glass of something would definitely help that movement mm-hmm. to, to occur. But it's really interesting at how you can still feel all of the benefits whilst being quite static yes. from an, an outward expression it is fascinating qj I, honestly mm. I, I think i think that where music serves each and every one of us in a different way is incredible mm. it really is oh i'm glad you feel that way it's uh, certainly my belief yeah yeah so tell me what's next what's coming up i know your day to day but have you got any ideas of what it is you'd like to achieve going forward um not especially i want to be engaged in my music which will continue um it would be lovely if um i ever were able to achieve what i wanted to achieve as a child and that was to have to write a theme tune uh tv film as you know tv themes are usually about 60 seconds long um, I knew the guy who wrote the EastEnders theme, Simon May. He, we were signed to the same publishers, actually. <laughs> so I know what it's like if you're if you're lucky enough to have written a TV theme and you know get the royalties every day from it. Um, but no, I used to like um, John Barry, the, the famous Bond film theme composer, who died not so long ago. Um, he was he was my aspiration, if you like. I wanted to be John Barry right bond movie themes and the ipcrest file and lots of those spy type movies so lots of my music is is kind of in that vein now and i yeah i network on linkedin and places like that and i'm you know there's a lot of music professional groups there and publishing groups and i have met a couple of people already who are kind of in that field so that's really my only ambition it would be nice if one of my pieces or I got approached to write a piece that could be used on a Netflix series or, a, you know, HBO or whatever it is. And and I do think in those terms, I'm not, I've never been phased by, you know, famous people or um, 
I'm never starstruck. They're all people, you know. Yeah, you run a big company, so what? Um, you know, I got Nigel Kennedy to come and play with my orchestra because I asked him, why don't you? You know, that's the kind of person I am. If you want something, just ask for it. <laughs> the worst thing that can happen is that they'll turn you down. So, yeah, Netflix theme would be great. And there are loads of composers like me. Well, no one's like me, I know. But loads of composers who are doing things like I'm doing in Facebook groups and that, and they're all trying to write film themes. So the likelihood is very, very slim, but um, doesn't stop me wanting to do it. Apart from that, no, it's just every day as it comes, keep the music going. I will be starting to get some of my old instrumentalist friends to play um, some of my music and I'll be recording it. And there is a kind of in the back of my mind that it may turn into a live band a live show at some point maybe but i'm not i'm not uh fixated on anything like that that was a bit of a waffle wasn't that no it's great and i feel as though we've talked a lot about the music side of things and and less about the speaker manager hat that you also wear mm. is is that probably a fair representation of of where you you are with those two hats i love being a speaker manager because it because i'm not performing myself or or um putting any music performances on a stage in a live venue um it keeps me in touch with that whole area of interest which is the performer on stage the audience what is the relationship what are they doing on stage that will make those that audience like them or like them more? Why are they coming to see that person speak or sing or dance, whatever it is? Um, I love marketing, so you can add that into the mix. And then the third part of it is the negotiation, actually keeping, you know, the, the thought that I can be part of that, um, making more money for the speaker. Um, it's as simple as that. Uh, I, I very rarely negotiate um like we're speaking to people it's usually via email which is an interesting dynamic um and a lot of people don't do that because uh, they like people and they like communicating face to face or you know mouth to ear um but it works really well and i love i'm very strategic in my work so the speaker manager bit is very enjoyable and the end result of course is that the the performer gets on stage does a great performance for the audience the audience loves them and the speaker gets paid and so do i <laughs> so that's great it's a win-win-win it is absolutely absolutely fabulous yeah pj it's been so fascinating talking with you and i am definitely going to be looking at how music really does tap into purpose in more depth for my reflections episode so thank you for instigating that area of thought for me how would people get in contact with you well qj composer is a dot com website qj composer uh, probably find me on youtube as well because i think that's the name of my youtube channel not very much on there at the moment i'm kind of holding back being a marketing um, pain in the ass. I just release things very slowly, one thing at a time. So there's one video on there of one piece 
but I'm I'm seeing how it works in relation to what we used to do, which is, you know, you had a record release and you plugged and plugged and plugged it and tried to get a chart hit. So I'm using the same principle one thing at a time. Actually, quite the opposite from you, because I think you're doing lots of podcasts. Um, and I think I'm I'm good at milking, and I like to milk things for all they're worth before I go on to the next one. So, I mean, I've still only got about 500 views for that Um and only half a dozen comments for that particular piece on the video, but QJ Composer, qjcomposer.com will probably find me. Brilliant. And and I'm in all the usual places. And you're also on, on LinkedIn. Is that a good way to connect? LinkedIn, well Facebook, you? Twitter. Perfect. YouTube. I think YouTube is amazing. It's a really, really good resource that, you know, Google own. And the search engine there is great as well. So brilliant. Okay. Hmm. I'll make sure all of those go in the show notes. Thank you. Thank you. And I really appreciate your your time today. It's been a fascinating conversation. Have you got some final words for the listener, please? Yeah, the the final words for the listener. And it came from a Jess Gillum, who does a My Classical Life on Radio 3 every Saturday. Listen if you can. She had a guest on there that said what I think and i'd never heard anyone say before and he said don't just listen to the music you like so go out there find some music you've never heard before and if you don't like it keep listening because the other thing about music is you can learn to like music which you thought you hated now there's an interesting psychological exercise for you amy find out how that works How has this conversation had an impact on you? What value have you received from tuning in? What are your reflections with actions? Please take a moment to leave me an Apple podcast or Spotify review sharing how Focus on Why has made a difference to you today. Remember, the conversation doesn't end here. To keep it going, simply connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook or Twitter or join the Focus on Why Facebook group. All the links are in the show notes. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.